Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Venture Property Podcast, and thank you very much for listening to the show. Today, we are sponsored, as always, by Land Insight, which is the ultimate tool for people to find all the deals that they need in development. It's something which I use on an almost daily basis, and I use it to find land. I work through comps to find similar properties and help build my due diligence. If you're not subscribed to the podcast or the YouTube channel, let me ask you, why the hell not? Do you not like property deals? Because that's pretty much all we talk about on this podcast. So get yourself over to YouTube, get yourself over on the iTunes page and get subscribed. Today, I have a cracking interview with a very well-respected property investor with vast, vast experience that I think you are going to learn a hell of a lot from. The deal we are going to be talking about today surrounds SaaS funds, which does seem to be a topic of the moment. And it had a lot of technicality. And Richard Jones is the guest, and he's going to be chatting about the nitty gritty of the deal. So, hi, Richard. Thank you for coming on. How are you doing today? I'm great, Ryan. Thanks. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. No, when Kim said to me, I was chatting to Kim about potential people to get on the show about the new format. He just reeled off a list of people, and you were very, very high up the list. Um, so I was like, right, okay, fantastic. And you have been a great um, great advocate of the show and the website. Every time I ask for a comment on something, whether it's goal setting or a top tip in property, you are always there to, to lend a helping hand. So thank you very much for that. You're welcome, Ryan. I've, uh, I've got an opinion on a lot of things, property. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we all have. So... You've got a pretty cool deal to talk about, so I'm going to shut up now and let you just entertain us all with it. Okay, yeah, Ryan. So um, around about 15 months ago, um, we were looking at the companies that we've got within property, um, looking at funds, and um, we had a priority that came top of our list, which was um, to utilise some old SERPs pension fund monies, which was the old state earnings-related pension scheme. Um, that um, that we opted out of all years ago, but had since been frozen. So I had about 50K. My wife had, I think, a small one, 13K. And my partner in the lettings business, um, Adam Lawrence, had around, I think it was 26, 27,000 pounds. So as you can appreciate, uh, three individual pots. Um, it wasn't really... Um, you know, a lot of a lot of money to do uh, things with within property, and also kind of within the confines of um, of of um, the, and the rules of a, a SaaS pension fund. And um, because, of course, we're well known for investing in residential property, um, etc. But um, you can't um, directly hold property or residential property, sorry, within um, within a SaaS pension fund. So knowing nothing about them at the time, um, we decided that um, the best idea would be obviously pull the monies. So we pulled the monies. This gave us about 90K. Um, we had to, um, to look out there for um, somebody who could give us the right information and, um, and could structure the deal, know how to structure the deal the correct way. And um, so the first thing was to, to pull the money into a SAS. Um, and the um, with the right provider, who incidentally we used Day Cooper Day, um, and we'll we'll it'll, it'll transpire why later on interview why um, why we had to choose those, and then uh, we needed um, the right information and um, to broker the deal, and we used a guy called um, John Hurst from 
from Charles Dean, a company in uh, in Mansfield, who um, who were excellent with us, gave us some great advice. So um, so here we are. We're sat with this uh, with this 90k sat in a SaaS, and we looked at the best way that we could leverage that, what asset class we would like to invest in. Of course, I've already said that would be residential property, and we thought that would be. And the fastest way to, to grow this uh, and to this, these small funds and to fast track it. So also at the same time, we own a lettings business um, of which we rent an office for. And um, I'm, I'm never like paying um, paying rent. And um, so <laughs> what we the, the, yeah yeah the logical thing to do was to to look at a way in which we could purchase our lettings office. So we were paying we stopped paying rent to a third party landlord. And um, this also had two, but this also had two residential flats above and two cottages to the rear, all on one title. Given that you can't, yeah, given that you can't hold residential property um, in a SAS, and um, it soon became quite clear that we needed to um, needed to structure this properly and um, to ensure we don't fall foul of HMRC SAS rules. So um, the way we did it was um, we managed to um, negotiate to buy um, the five properties on the one title, that was four Resi One Commercial, at 250K. And now these combined get 30K in rent. So, you know, it's a, it's, it's a good deal. So the next logical place we went to, we knew obviously if the purchase price is, um, is 250, and we got 90k, so we're going to need to borrow. So um, we approached um, our bankers, who've, um, who've been really good with us over the years, and explained what we wanted to do. Um, and then the next thing to do was to find a solicitor who could actually facilitate the deal properly and had done it before to make sure that, um, that all parties, including the lenders, are satisfied. And so what we had to do was, and um, the purchase price was 250. Um, we instructed a valuation on the property and asked them to comment on um, the um, the individual value of the the, um, the lettings office. And yep. so we um, we kind of put um, our own valuations on it, being landlords, letting agents as well, and where we operate. Um, we and uh, looked at it, put a, we agreed price 250k. We thought that the split would be 90k for the lettings office because it pays 9k in rent. So that's kind of a nice 10% yield. And then that leaves um, 160, um, which would be the valuation of the, the two flats and the two cottages. Now, this is a good deal as well because we, we, we bought it for 250K, but realistically looking at about 300K as a market value for the whole lot. Mm. So, so it was a good deal. Um, so we, um, we managed to um, uh, get a uh, valuation on it. I think we only paid about five, £550 plus VAT, something like that. Um, and the valuation report came out um, bang on as we thought, um, 250 with 90k as a consideration for the office, which was great because once we got this, we were then able to um, to approach the bank um, and say, look, you know, this is what we'd like to do. And um, so it had to be structured in a way that, um, well, on the way in, um, we had to split the titles. So obviously we had to split the and the commercial element, which is our lettings office, from the residential elements, two flats and the two cottages. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, on the way in, um, we did this. So if the residential element, so we paid cash out of the SAS at 90K for the, for the lettings office. So that's, that's pretty straightforward. Um, which then left uh, 160K to buy the residential elements. So as you can appreciate at this point in time, um, the bank would, uh, would only lend 65% loan to value on the residential element. And um, so, leaving us with a mortgage of 104,000 on a valuation of 160. So then um, we had to find um, the additional funds um, to, um, to um, as a deposit for the residential element. Now, here, herein lies the, the tricky thing because obviously um, when a, a lender um, is going to lend you any money, mm-hmm. um, they're going to want suitable security. Now, um, with us, uh, with um, SAS uh, funds, generally, um, if you're going to lend money to a connected party, you can only lend 50% of the fund of value. So the fund value would be 90K. So we lent uh, 40, actually 44,000, not 45. We borrowed, um, arranged to borrow 44,000 pound back into the SAS in order to lend that money to our letting agency to provide the deposit for the the two the residential elements. Hmm. So just to be clear, um, it, on the way in, the residential elements would be owned by a letting agency at 160K, and the uh, commercial element, which is our lettings office, would be owned by our SAS, of which we would pay cash. And um, so um, the, um, the SAS um, obviously had uh, first charge over the, the lettings office, and um, because it had it had a 999 year lease um, um, over the um, over the, the the office building, um, and then we would sign the lettings office would sign a five year lease and um, to rent it back at um, at nine k a year. All right, um, so so at this point in time we have ninety um, k for the office office. Well. 160k valuation on a commercial residential element of which we could buy 104 and then we were able to borrow 44,000 as a loan back um, from the SAS to the lettings agency and um, to provide the deposit for the um, for the residential and um, now the tricky part here again became the security and um, because um, the bank um, for the 104k would take um, first charge um, over the the residential element naturally yep. as as any lender would and um, they also wanted personal guarantees from us so we gave them personal guarantees but um, the bank being belt and braces also wanted a venture over the lettings business oh no um, <laughs> yeah so of course you know there's there's those three elements there but of course um, if we were going to, um, we couldn't allow the bank to have a debenture over the lettings business um, because um, the um, the SAS would need it to lend the 44K to it. So the security for our SAS to lend the 44K would be a debenture. Now, generally, um, when we're talking loan backs, if it's an un- from a SAS, if it's an unconnected party, my understanding is that you can lend 100% of your fund monies. But if it's a connected party, which obviously in this case it was because it was our SAS, but also and the limited company was ours as well, the lettings, um, letting agency belongs to. So because it's a connected party, we could only lend 50% of the, 
back of the fund value. Um, but of course, our SaaS is not going to lend anybody money without suitable security. Yeah. This was the tricky point where we had to, to, to choose the correct um, the correct SaaS provider because um, some SaaS providers would have um, only accepted first charge over um, over a, um, that property or a different one. So of course we couldn't offer um, a first charge over um, for, we couldn't offer a first charge from the letting agency for the SaaS. Um, because um, the SAS had already got one over the 999-year lease, so we couldn't do it for the loan back, which uh, meant that then the other options were that we could offer up another property as security. Um, but we felt that this this tied us in somewhat um, when it came to borrowings and what we were doing on our, our, our other companies um, because they were kind of lending independently um, themselves. And um, so the, um, the, the only um, security that was left was a debenture over the lettings business. And um, so um, that's why we, we chose Daycooper Day because they allowed us to do it. So the structure actually turned out very well in the end because when we had to twist and turn and do different things to make sure that each element of the lending had suitable security. So it ended up where um, the NatWest had um, security over um, from a first charge, first charge over the residential and a uh, personal guarantee from myself and, and my business partner. Um, the SAS lent back. Uh, the SAS borrowed 44k. Subsequently, lent it to the lettings business, and in doing so, um, the SAS security was a debenture over the lettings business. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about this is as well with these loan backs that you can you can only um, lend of a maximum of um, five years. So um, these um, the loan backs have to be paid back within a five year time period. Um, but what is interesting as well about the loan backs from a cash flow perspective is that um, you only really need to make one payment within a 12 monthly period. That's the payment of interest plus any capital owed in that financial year. So um, if we receive, if my lettings business pays rent on a monthly basis, and the logical thing was to um, was to split the loan payment, uh, repayment of the loan, um, over 12 monthly payments for from a cash flow point of view. But um, what we decided to do was actually split it into 11 payments because then um, what that allowed us to do was to um, to get in at least four to six weeks worth of rent before having to um, to start making repayments, which was which was very useful because um, it allowed um, it, it allowed the cash flow to work very well, allowed us to get get ahead of ourselves. So um, it, the deal worked out um, really well for us because um, we were able and um, our lettings business was able to purchase. 250k's worth of assets with actually very little money in from ourselves. I think we had to we had to pay five and a half thousand pound in fees, something like that. Yeah. And we were able to utilise these three little pots of money that were floating around um, and put them together. Uh, we were able to stop paying rent to a third party landlord and and um, and start paying the um, the our our SAS own the um, own the lettings. Uh, office and uh, was receiving a 10% yield, 9% um, a year. Um, and um, and the, the loan back facility proved yet very useful 
in, um, in being able to provide the deposit um, to the lettings agency for the resident as, as, in the form of a loan for, um, for the deposit for the lettings um, element. So it was, it, it sounds quite complicated and it took a lot of working through. In fact, um, it took about 11 or 12 months um, purely because we had to make sure that we were finding the right lenders. Lenders were happy with the security that was on offer um, and HMRC were happy with the way that we were doing it and we found the right um, the right SaaS lenders, so uh, SaaS uh, facilitators. So it actually worked out really well for us, Ryan. Yeah, it sounds like a, do you know what? It sounds like a, it sounds really good. I'm making some notes now. I'm looking at, I'm actually looking at doing a, um, a similar, not a, a similar style deal. There's going to be some office space, but also some residential. And one of yeah. the the investors in there actually was moaning about he's got money in his pension, and uh, he's like, I shouldn't have really put any money in that pension because I can't get hold of it. Yeah. But actually, if you find the right provider and you yes. set it up the right way, yeah, I spent yeah, Ryan, I spent two or three years trying to find um, a property specific um SAS advisor um, and I'd met half a dozen people and you know they just didn't have the the experience and the know-how and the insight into into HMRC rules and what you can actually do in SIP and SAS yeah and um, so it took me a while to actually find the right guy so I guess one of the most um one of the most fulfilling things about this deal while it's while it's profitable while it's a great deal was and um, the way that from start to finish, we had to, you know, manoeuvre, turn left, turn right. That won't work this way, but it will this way, you know. And, and we actually, and we got there in the end, which was really good. Yeah, it's, and I, I, I didn't know about the the unconnected and the connected fund yes. value. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm, well, I'm actually at a, I'm at a point now where I'm in my life where I'm starting to think about uh, pensions and, yeah. using my, my clawbacks limited company not paying in and then when finished development project drop back and go back a couple of years and put into a pension yeah um which yeah. is amazing when you start learning about pensions yeah i wish yeah. i'd done it years ago um i really do yeah um whether you could have done, could have done it years ago ryan I, yeah i don't know i know i know when i first became aware of these or Year, many many years ago because i when i was employed i used to work for um um for a guy who um who had a family sas setup and he used to put you know his factory buildings in it and stuff but of course until it directly affects you it's not something that you take an interest in but it, it is an interesting point there ryan that you bring up about people um you know with pension fund monies who are not doing a, a you know don't believe their money's working hard enough because, um, you know, we we meet a lot of people. You know, interest rates have been low for a long time. Um, savers have struggled now for, you know, for 10, 12 years with the low interest rates. And we're finding that even the most risk-averse yeah. um, people have, are starting to look now, you know, that, that there must be a better way to um, to – you know, to get better returns on this. And I, I, in the 30 years that I've been in property, Ryan, I don't ever remember it being this way. You know, savers were always, you know, if they were, if they were savers, they were savers. 
You know, yeah. they, they, they didn't look at any other investments outside of traditional um, routes. But, um, you know, if you've got money into in a pension fund that's doing nothing, or if you've got money in the bank, Ryan, you know, there's a lot of people asking themselves nowadays, how long do you actually wait before you start to look at alternatives? There is, and I think then the rise of the rise of the internet and the rise of of everything around that and technology, and now there's all these companies out there where you've got like Orca Money and and those kinds of websites, LendSwift, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and all the crowdfunding websites. Yeah, people are actually now, like you say, they're looking, going, do you know what? I'm getting absolutely nothing in the bank. They yeah. are taking control of their money, and yeah. I know a lot of people who are educating themselves on different kinds of investments. Um, and it, it, a lot of them are like are around sort of my dad's age. Um, yeah. And he's in his 60s, but then also coming down into sort of the early 40s and chatting to me about it. They go, you do property. Tell me a little bit more about what you do. Because uh, I've been on this website or I've been on this website and I'm starting to educate myself more about it. And I think it's amazing that they've got that resource now. Yeah. Um, and that inclination to to go out there and and look at these different investment schemes, I think it's it's just amazing. I love the way the world's going. Anyway, I'm a big geek for technology. Yeah, well, the the SaaS stuff is great, of course, for these people because um, you can effectively become your own bank. Yeah. Um, but you know, but when I say that, though, you know, I don't say, it, um, you know, in a flippant nature, because there has to be all kinds of, um, there are safeguards all in place. If you think about um, how you would approach a normal lender, you need all the things to be able, the same things to borrow money from your own SAS. So you need to have bona fide valuation reports. There needs to be, if you're going to borrow money from it, there needs to be proper documentation in place there needs to be proper um record keeping which incidentally um, the record keeping and to make sure you, you comply on upfront and on an ongoing basis um, is provided by your um, SaaS provider and um, so you know it, 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 if it's not if, you, if you're lending your own money to to a connected party one of your companies you know, there are still the safeguards in there that ensure that everything is above board, which is obviously um, a great um, confidence boost to maybe people like your father and people who I come into contact with who are looking at this as a viable form of investment. Mm, definitely. And my my dad is the most risk-averse person ever. Um, and now even when, like you say, people you've spoke to who are now looking at different ways of of, of doing it and it it just blows my mind but I, yeah. do you know what i really really like actually the conversations that you have with those kinds of people because well one of the things that really really i listened to a podcast ages and ages ago and it was about uh people and how they see the world and this kind of thing and they said that the best business leaders the most successful people in the world they do this they don't expect everybody to see the world through their eyes yeah. and that literally that changed the game for me because yeah. when you're when you're thinking about anything in life so just quick example when i go to tesco's with my fiance sarah and she's buying a birthday card i bloody hate it because mm. i know i'm going to be there for 20 minutes while she picks the card the one that 
is really nice, is really pretty, the words are right. But if I break that down and think about what's actually going on in her mind as I perceive it, is when I give a card to somebody, it's like, right, that says happy birthday on it, it looks cool, cool. I don't put that much emphasis on the picking of the card, as bad as that sounds. She's thinking about the feelings of that person, how they're going to feel when they get that card. Mm. Now, if you have lots of different discussions with different people from different walks of life, then you start to see the investment from their perspective. It's amazing. It's amazing the questions that they ask you because you never would have thought of them. Well, I think this. I think you're absolutely right. And there's there's two points to this. And the first one is that obviously everybody's perceptions about what a particular situation should be is very, very different. And you soon learn that in the lettings game very, very quickly. (laughs) Yes. You know, that that's you know, that's the first thing, Um, you know, and the um, the second thing is that, you know, um, nothing ever stays the same. Ryan, you know, it goes up, it goes down, it goes left, it goes right, it moves forward, it moves backwards, you know, and I think if you get those, you know, get those concepts in and, you know, and you try and stay ahead of the game, um, you're on to a winner, you know. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic point. Just nipping um, back into this deal then. So you'd, you'd had this on, on lease for a, for a while, had you? Yeah, four years. We were paying a, um, a landlord £750 a month, so 9k a year, for four yeah. years. Was that just for the office, or did you also have a deal on the flats and cottages? No, it was just for the office. We let out the office, the, um, the, the flats and the cottages for the landlord. He was a client of ours. Oh, fantastic. So what, so what do you do with those now? Are the tenants still in? Yeah, so, um, so the tenants are still in there. Um, um, this this particular landlord um, had a habit of trying to cut corners uh, himself. So, for example, uh, with um, with one of the um, one of the tenants, he tried to do it himself and um, only issued um, a mangled up um, uh, form of our tenancy agreement. Never issued any right to rent or anything like that either. And um, you know, made uh, made mistakes that I see a lot of. Um, landlords make when they try to do it themselves um, and there really is no excuse nowadays there are so many resources out there um, but of course you know there were some things within there that we um, we had to put right as well um, so you know we just we just informed our um, our, solic- our solicitor that we would take care of that you know um, just prior to exchange of contracts which is what we did just got the tenant to um, to sign new tenancy agreements um, and issued all the correct documentation, so our, you know our lender was happy. Fantastic. So you also so that was another part of the deal, which is fantastic. Yeah. So um, yeah, it, it, you know this deal particularly used um, used up everything that we knew and we'd learnt over the years. Um, we had to have the correct mindset for it as well, because you know, maybe some people would have a thought there was a non-starter or b. Um, have dropped out of this, um, you know, part way through. For example, when we, you know, if the bank had taken security, a floating debenture over the lettings business, then we couldn't have borrowed, um, you know, the money from our SAS um, to, um, to, for the deposit because there was no security left. 
there was you know that there was acceptable to the um, to the SAS trustees. So, mm. and just one one quick question there. You, you mentioned mindset, and I know that you've been in property for a long a long time, and I know a lot of people that I respect. Re- I have so much respect for. They speak so so highly about you. So how how do you think your mindset has changed over the years? Okay, so if if if, if, if um, what I've always um, you know I, I've I'm I'm now looking at um, at uh, at a poster on the wall, and I see a lot of things about leverage nowadays, Ryan. And I believe there's a time and a place for leverage. Yeah. All right. I you know, but I'm looking at a poster on my wall now that says. Um, the title of it is Strength, and the motto is Hard Work Spotlights the Character of People. Some turn up their sleeves, some turn up their noses, and some don't turn up at all. <laughs> so I could tell you that in the first 10 or 12 years in property, you know, that was me. I, I, I worked like a, you know, I worked like a dog. I worked all hours um, and, um, you know, and, and really got to know um, property and the buildings inside out firsthand. Um, and then when uh, when the uh, the internet became um, you know a, a lot more accessible resource and um, people then other property investors um, started to use it, I thought to myself, yeah, you really need to start working a bit smarter as opposed to um, to a bit harder. And I, I don't know, Ron. I just seem the older I get, I'm fifty years uh, fifty years of age, um, and the more the older I get, the more. Um, the more motivated I seem to be, and I think that is because I'm in the fortunate position where I I, I just do the things that I like to do now. Yeah. You know, in property, there are things. You know, I still we're still very active in property. Uh, we're in what are we in? We well, we've got an, an, a rental portfolio in a partnership. Got one in a company. We have a a, a lettings uh, company that also looks after stuff. For, and for other investors and um, we have a flip it a company that buys resi and flips it we're into serviced accommodation and um, just recently so um so i just think and um, you know one of my greatest strengths is one to work hard but two if i don't know the answer to a question i'm very good at finding the person who does yeah you know, I, I don't make it up and um, you know i i actively seek out people who um, you know, who have done what I want to do. Um, and I'd say, you know, those those are my greatest strengths. I'm, I'm, I'm the hardest working person I know. And, you know, and I, I'm very motivated to carry on doing that. Mm, that's an amazing answer. I love the finding the answer as well. It's, I, I think that everybody out there now can, can do can do property if, if yeah. they want to and they're prepared yeah. to put the work in. The well, answers are out there. Interesting, interesting you should mention that, Ryan, because um, the, what what happened to me was is that, you know, I'd probably got 12, 15 properties underneath my belt um, and I got to the point where I thought to myself, I don't really know myself that well. If I consciously can understand what I'm really good at, if I can, and what motivates me, if I can bottle that and, and concentrate it, then maybe the next 10 years will, will I'll achieve far more than I've done in the previous 10 years. Hmm. You know, and it's the small things like I can stand next to, you know, another guy in the rugby club, you know, we can stand and have a point. We get on brilliant in that environment. Now, 
I, you know, and, 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 and that's all good. But um, there's clearly a difference between us. Now, that doesn't make him a bad person. It doesn't make me a good person. But there's clearly a difference between us. And again, if I can find out what that difference is, then that would perhaps uh, help me, uh, you know, in, in the future. So, uh, you know, I, I, I started to look at that kind of thing and, and, and was really mindful of what actually is that I like to do, what motivates me. And I think that's why I still enjoy doing what I do. I think that's, that is key, isn't it? Once you, once you can do that, um, it, it just, it does help everything. I learned a long time ago that I need a bit of flexibility to be, to be successful. So mm. I, I need to be able to just, for example, one afternoon, just go and play some golf because yes. that frees up my mind to do other things. Uh, yeah. And once I accepted that, yeah, I wasn't skiving off work because I'd make the time up somewhere else or yeah. whatever, yeah. but I needed that time. And once I realized that actually doing that <clears throat> made me better at, at business, that, yeah. that yeah. was a learning point. It makes you more, makes you more creative, Ryan. It does. You know, don't underestimate resting. It makes you more creative. This is when things start to pop into your head. Things, you know, this is sometimes how you work out challenges and problems. Yeah, I'm a big one of you know. Do you know what? Sometimes if I'm just sat in this office and I'm like, I've been here way too long, I need to just get out. So I'll literally just grab grab whatever, leave, lock the office up, go for a walk for 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, and it does it does change. It, you can yeah. think about problems and and solve them outside of yeah. your normal environment, which is fantastic. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I think there are a lot of great tools out there to help you as well. Um, nowadays, you know, books and podcasts, etc. cetera. Um, you know, I, I think I, I, I meet a lot of people that are new to property um, through, um, through various avenues. And I think the biggest thing is, is that, do you know, I believe that people, why they don't achieve the goals nowadays is um, a lot of the time is because they they try and go from start to finish in one giant leap, yeah. you know, and life just isn't like that. It's a series of, of, of mini challenges. And, you know, when you understand things like that, you know, a very good book for that is A Slight Edge Concept by Jeff Olson. Yeah. You know, once you start to understand that life is like that, not only in business, in property, but in everything else that you do. If you need to achieve something, you're just not going to take one giant leap from the start to the finish. Like It doesn't work that way. So, you know, if you carry on thinking that it does and, then, and you carry on doing the same thing, then you just won't, you won't get to where you need to be. You know? mm. And you, you, that's just asking for trouble as well, isn't it? It's, uh... Yeah. Yeah, so I think there's plenty of stuff. I find autobiographies. So if I'm reading, Ryan, I'll read, um, you know, I'll read a mindset book. But some autobiography, autobiographies are very good as well. If you read some of Richard Branson's, how he, he oh, grew yeah. you know, and um, some of the entrepreneurs, you can actually read through the, 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 as you're reading through the book, you can look at the lines and you can pick out you know the sentences that tell you everything about them and why they've got where they've got today mm. you know i find them i find them really useful yeah i'm a big fan of autobiographies as well i i'm i'm a i love when i meet people i like to hear about their their life stories um because i did i heard a quote a long time ago that was 
um, like eight, life is 70% events and 30% how you handle them. Yeah. Um, or maybe 80, 20. And it's, mm. I love to see how people handle certain events in their life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, just, just to see what they did, why they did that. No matter what the event, even if we're like, in an airport terminal or whatever. I mean, if you mm. get stuck next to me on a plane and you start chatting to me, you've had it because uh, I will. <laughs> I'll just chat and yeah. chat about. I a long time ago as well when I came into contact with successful people, I noticed because um, you, you know you generally need to be in, in property for the medium to long term. You know, you, you really do. That's 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 what it's about. And, um, and because of that, they're going to be challenging times. And the one thing I, one quality I noticed about successful people on oh, many, many years ago was um, when, they, when, when they were faced with a challenge, they were almost at times passive and um, detached from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. They, they, they knew that everything would be okay, that they would sort it out. They didn't get worked up about it you know, and subsequently came up with the answers. And I thought, that's perhaps something that, you know, I need to start practicing, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's almost that, What well, what can I do right now to impact that issue? Yeah. Well, if I can't directly do anything, then why why stress myself out about it? It's going to impact everything else. Yeah. If I can unless, do something, yeah. okay, let's do it. Yeah, unless you've got a time machine, you can't go backwards. So there's no point in worrying about anything that's gone in the past. You can only affect it in the now and the future. So that is that is absolutely perfect. So my last question for you before I let you go, because I know you're a very very busy man, is what's the biggest lessons you've learned then from this from doing this deal this way? Um, from, from, uh, is is that uh, this is, is the longest deal that I've ever done. Um, it's not the biggest deal I've ever done, but it's certainly the longest and the most challenging. So the, um, the, the big lesson is, is there's, the answer is always out there. Never stop looking for um, the right person who can facilitate the right environment for you to do a, do a deal in. Because there, there's generally, the answer's out there, don't give up, and don't give up easily. That is incredible. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to get hold of you and um, so and um, my email is uh, richard at ipsestates.com so that's richard at ipsestates.com and um, that's the most that's the easiest way uh, as i we're, we're doing all kinds of things all day long so um, so yeah fantastic richard thank you for coming on you have been an absolute joy welcome thanks ryan